Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew, and we will hear the parable of the weeds in the field. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning for the opportunity to hear your word again, to be refreshed by your word and strengthened by your word so that we might grow to bear fruit in your kingdom. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would help us to know your work in our lives in this time of difficulty and evil. And Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we're going to hear from another one of Jesus' parables, and this one is typically known as the parable of the weeds in the field. This is what Jesus calls uh, this particular parable today, or I should say the disciples call this particular parable today. But as we listen to this parable, I'm going to read it for you again here. I want to play a game. We're going to play a game with this parable. And the name of the game is, Where Am I? Okay, Where Am I? So as you listen to this parable, I want you to ask yourself the question, Where am I in this parable? Or perhaps better, who do I identify with most closely in this parable today? Okay, so so let's do this. I'm going to read the parable. Ask yourself the question, where am I? Here's the parable. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. The servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Well, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Excuse me. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So far the word of the Lord. Okay, so where are you in this parable? Who who, who do you identify with the most in this parable? Now, as it turns out, Jesus didn't really uh, trust us in playing this game very well, so he gave us all the answers Uh, to the test here and he actually tells us where we are in this parable and what all the parable is about so we're going to walk through this here okay so Jesus goes on to explain the parable and first he talks about the sower who sows in the field now if you identified with the sower you're wrong (laughs) you lost Uh, that's actually Jesus in the parable he's the sower he's the one out there spreading his reign throughout the world and establishing his church in the creation so this is this is Jesus okay uh, sowing his seed spreading his word throughout the world now then as the seed grows the seed he spreads and grows Jesus says that growing seed those are the sons of the kingdom now as it turns out if you said that's who I identify with uh, bing 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 you win there it is Uh, Jesus tells you right there that you are uh, the sons of the kingdom, those who are baptized, those who have received the word, those who have faith in the name of Jesus Christ, who are saved by his grace, that's you, all right? But our game's not over. I still think there's more to be said here, so let's, let's keep going, okay? Further on after this, he says there's an enemy who comes along and sows weeds among the wheat. Now, if you thought that you identified with the enemy, I'm very nervous about you <laughs> because that's actually the devil. So no, it's, it's actually not you. If you identified with the enemy, 
bad news, you're wrong, or good news, you're wrong, that's the devil. And the devil's out there sowing weeds among the wheat. And the weeds, as it turns out, are the unbelievers. The, the enemies of Christ and his church, those people and those powers and those principalities that work in the world that try to undermine the creation of God and try to undermine the work and the reign of Jesus Christ. Now, if you identified with them, if you identified with the weeds, I have very bad news for you. This parable is about partially about the judgment that awaits you. Now, the good news for you today is this, is that there's still yet time to repent uh, and turn to the Lord and come into the kingdom of God. And if this is your situation, uh, I would uh, plead with you to contact myself or Pastor Matt or Jim or Jeff or anybody here at the church and reach out to us to talk to us a little bit about what it means to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because you see, what awaits for the weeds is very scary news. And this is the day of judgment, when the weeds will be gathered and thrown into the fire by the reapers. The reapers will come to burn up the weeds. Now, if you identified with the reapers here, again, I'm sorry, you're wrong, that's not you. And this will be something worth thinking about here a little bit. Uh, that is the work of the angels. And the angels are sent by Christ. Uh, it says, to gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. That's the work of the angels. All right, so there ends our game. We see that those who have faith, those are the wheat, and I pray that that is you. But before we go on, because I still think there's more to be done with this game here, I do want to uh, remind you or sort of help you see what this parable is actually about. Jesus is explaining with this parable today what life is like now and ultimately where it's going, how Judgment Day is going to kind of come about to deal with evil in this world. And Jesus is very clear today that evil and all the work of Satan is ultimately and finally going to be removed. And this is very good news. All, of that, is, all that is evil and false and sinful in the world will be gathered up and cast out. And the whole creation, Paul picks up on this theme today in Romans chapter 8, all of creation is groaning under the tyranny of the weeds. And soon, soon, the future glory will come. And the present sufferings we endure now will not be worth comparing the kingdom that Jesus Christ has prepared for us with his own blood. We are passing through this veil of tears into the sort of eternal, weed-free existence. This is why uh, the great scholar N.T. Wright suggests that perhaps after Jesus rose again from the grave, uh, the woman in the garden, Mary, saw Jesus there and she confused him with the gardener. Why? Because perhaps he was pulling out the weeds. He, he was removing all that was wrong there in the garden. This is the work of Christ, okay? So this is what we see taking place here. But now the question comes up for us. Why so long? I mean, this is the promise. And it's the promise from Jesus Christ that the day is coming when all will be made right. And it is as good as done because it comes from the mouth of the Son of God. And it's as good as done. It is done. We're just waiting for it to, rot, to arrive. But that's our problem, isn't it? Why do we have to wait? What are we waiting for? Why doesn't Jesus just come now and remove the weeds sooner? And this brings us back to our parable, and it brings us back to our game uh, that we're playing with this parable today. Who do you identify with in this parable? To be sure, Jesus tells you that those who have faith, those who are baptized, those who are forgiven, they are the wheat who will be gathered and brought into eternal life. But if you're anything like me, when you were listening to this parable, you not only found yourself identifying with the wheat, 
but also with the servants in the house whom Jesus, for one reason or another, doesn't explain to us today. Uh, Very often, we find ourselves thinking and acting like these servants of the master who when we see evil in the world, we want to know, how did it get there? Why is it here? And shouldn't we be doing something about it? What can we do to remove these weeds, even if we have to act a little prematurely? This is, this is what goes on with the servants, and perhaps you identify with them. These servants, they see the enemies of Christ and the church hold sway with what they teach and preach, these false teachings that come along to draw people away from the church. They look out on the world and they see rank disobedience, the promotion and celebration of sin, the dehumanizing of those very people that have been created in God's image, dehumanized because of the color of their skin or their location in a womb. They see riots and wars and politics attacking the love of the neighbor. They see genocide, abandoned children, cancer, COVID, homelessness, and systems and people that only seem to make matters worse. And they wonder, why? How could this be? If God is so good, as we believe he is, why is there all of this evil taking place? So the servants say, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Now be honest. You've wondered this. You've prayed this. You've lamented this. So have I. Frankly, I would suggest that so is every thinking person who's ever lived. And the reality is that some people leave God because they can't get a satisfying answer to this question. Some give up on life over it. Some people tend to ignore it because it's just too much for them to handle and they don't think they can handle it anyway, so they just dismiss the question altogether. But some, and this is what we see with the the servants in the household today, some confront God with the question. Just as the servants went to the master, look, you put good seed in, right? Why are there weeds here? Very often, we will go to God and say, if you are a good God, why is there evil and suffering in the world? And quite frankly, that is the faithful response. It's the response of faith because it trusts God to be true to his word. It trusts God when he says he is good and he is merciful and he is forgiving and he is is gracious and loving. And we say, we believe that, we trust that, but we cannot seem to reconcile that truth with all the pain and suffering we see taking place over here. So what gives? Why are there weeds in the field? Now, as it turns out today in this parable, uh, there's actually an answer given. And that doesn't happen very often in the scriptures. We don't very often get an answer to the question of why. Now, the answer we get here won't ultimately satisfy all of our philosophical longings and questions and our theological quandaries, but it is the answer that we receive. They go to the master and they say, how does this happen? Why is there weeds in the field? And the master says, an enemy has done this. Again, now, everybody who wants to be smarter than God is going to come along and say, well, then, God, if you're so good, why did you create the devil? You know, why did you create the enemy? And I I lampoon it there with my voice. It's actually not a dumb question, but it's not an answerable question. And you'll never find the answer to that question. And the reality is, if somebody comes along and tells you they have the answer to that question, they're lying to you. It's just not true. We don't know the answer of why God has ultimately allowed all of this kind of stuff to take place. But we do have this much today, that an enemy is working against God. And so that's what we need to deal with, the enemy. 
now, like these workers in the field, we know how to handle enemies, right? We get rid of them. This is, we're very good at this in our culture. We just demonize the other. We eliminate them. We who are always on the side of good, right? We who always have God on our side, no matter what the cause, we know the best way to get rid of the evil in the world, and that is to vote against it, to attack it, to mock it, to tweet about it, to shame it, and to eliminate it. We'll lead a war, a crusade, a media campaign against the other, against the enemy, against them. And if we're not going to lead it, we'll at least watch the news station that does and, and throw our vote in with that. We'll weed them out. We'll be the judge, we'll be the jury, and we'll bully them out of existence, and if that doesn't work, we'll take up arms. We're going to get rid of them one way or another and stop them from preventing us from building our own little utopia here in this world. Then we say, do you want us to gather them? Do you want us to weed them out? Here we are, we're behind Peter, he's got the sword, and the soldiers are coming in the garden. God, whose ears do we need to cut off? The master says to the servant, and Jesus says to you, no, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. It's as though Jesus is saying to us today, do you remember the game you just played? You are not the reapers. It's the job of the angels to separate the weeds, uh, excuse me, the wheat from the tares. Not you. And when you try to take on the job of the angels, you actually become the devil, <laughs> you see. Because you are in no position to cast the final judgment. After all, how can you, a sinner yourself, think that you can actually tell the difference that well between the wheat and the tares? It's not that easy. And sure, you may be able to see evil in this world, and you may be able to eliminate some of that evil, but you have to recognize that many of the ways we do this only end up harming our own brothers and sisters. Sure, you hate evil, but so often the way we exercise that hatred harms the consciences and the faith of those whom Christ loves. See, in the church of God, the ends do not justify the means. And quite frankly, the ends aren't your responsibility anyways. They belong to Christ. And Christ has given this job of separation, of judgment, to the angels and not to us to be carried out prematurely. So now I know, I know what you're thinking. What then? Are we just sit back and be passive and do nothing and let evil run wild? Well, no, and of course not, and that's not the point of the parable today. But if we must have that conversation, you have to realize there is plenty to do while we wait for this day of judgment to come. It is for us to pray. It is for us to love. It is for us to suffer. And it is for us to hope. Much of this is what St. Paul is getting at again in our reading from Romans 8 today. That while we await the return of Christ, we must recognize that we are going to suffer in this creation. And so we pray and we cry out to God and we long for his kingdom to come once and for all. But we also pray for the people around us. We pray for our enemies, those that we consider the other. We act very differently than the world does with the other. We pray for our enemies. 
Jesus tells us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. And that means you love and you pray for those who don't think like you or look like you or vote like you or uh, even believe like you. You simply love them and you put the word of Christ in the ear of everybody within earshot and you prepare to suffer for it. Because you have to remember, these weeds have been placed in the world to choke you out. But what of it? You have this great hope that they cannot and they will not win For your present sufferings are nothing compared to the hope that you have and the eternal life that you have in store for you, which was purchased for you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And though the evil rages around us and though the weeds grow, fear not. For Christ has given you great news in this parable today. You, dear saint, are the wheat. You are the forgiven and beloved children of God. You are the one who, though you will suffer with Christ and for Christ, you will also be glorified with Christ, for Jesus Christ has suffered for you. So that on the last day when he returns, he will send his angels, and they will gather you up and bring you into the barn of God. (laughs) They will bring you into the presence of the Father. And you, yes, you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your Father forever. Amen. We pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ, that you have promised us this great hope that we too will shine like the sun in your presence for all of eternity. We ask you, Lord, to teach us to be patient for your judgment in this world, and we pray that you would teach us to pray and to love and to serve as you have called us to do. Lord, give us wisdom to know when to act and when to sit back when to love, and when to fight. In all things, Lord, we pray that you would teach us to trust in your guidance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.